0: Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: trying to blueprint a future. Move to the suburbs. Have kids. That's bad. If that's what music is for you, a way to get to that place, then yeah, it's, it's, it's a little careerist. And it's a little square. And it's a little sad. If I had No, What'd you say you played? Folk songs. Folk songs. I thought you said you were a musician. the one I love. If the music's okay. not. What? Quit? Just... exist? It's not so bad. Existing. Do you ever think about the future at all? He moved his body like Don't fa- tell Jim. Oh. Obviously. Mel, well, there was no advance on my solo record. There's gotta be some royalty. Mel? Mel!
2: How you doing, kid? I remember one evening. Welcome to this week's uh, Failed Critics podcast, um, where later on we'll be reviewing a new release inside Lewin Davis. Um, Before that, we've got all the usual bits and pieces. I'm Steve Norman, joined by James Diamond. Hello. And Owen Hughes. Hello. Um, We'll we'll start off then uh, with the quiz, where James is tuning it up. We all. This, this round. No one has watched Cutthroat Island yet, though. I'm rather <laughs> disappointed to say.
0: No, we'll get there. I promise. Will you? Yeah, I promise. <laughs> I'll, I'll find space for it sometime this week. Mm. <laughs> you've still not watched the final member. You, you are talk You've got no moral high ground whatsoever, Steve. I will,
2: I will always have the moral high ground.
0: Um, yeah, I'm not sure about I've, that.
2: I've not made you watch a documentary about knobs, so.
0: I've, I have a feeling that will be a better film. Wow. That's all I'm saying.
2: Anyway, uh, for this quiz then, we'll start off in 2000 with Psycho Beach Party.
0: <laughs> I don't know, but I want to watch yeah, it, it already.
2: Good. On also 2000, uh, a film people might have heard of this time, Cruel Intentions 2.
0: Okay. I, I did know there was a sequel. I'm um, just trying to think if any of the original... None of the original cast will have come back I for that short. Sure. James, uh, Ryan Felipe. No. No, okay. I don't, I don't think any of the original back, cast will have
2: come back for that. Back to film you might not have heard of, but possibly on the line to Psycho Beach Party, in 2002, The Slaughter Rule. <laughs> nope. <laughs> also 2002, Catch Me If You Can.
0: Oh, okay. I uh, can't remember anyone who's in that apart from the big one. No, it won't be any of them. No, it's not going to be Tom Hanks. He's definitely not in Psycho Beach Party.
2: Well, you, you never know.
0: <laughs> you never know, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll hold my... I'll keep my powder dry on that one. Uh,
2: 2005, the...
0: I missed that yeah, one, Steve. Blank. All I heard was definitely. the...
2: 2005, the wedding date. Okay. 2006
3: Talladega Nights: The Ballad of Ricky Bobby.
1: Okay.
3: Um. Uh, Owen. It... Yes, Owen. What's his name? He's the guy from the Golden Globes. He won the Golden Globes for the Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh. <sighs> I'm gonna
0: let you. I'm gonna let you have a go at that, Owen. I'm gonna you know, be gentlemanly and not jump in.
3: I can't remember what he was. What he's called? Fuck. We're gonna have to carry on. <laughs> okay. Uh, we we'll, we will carry
2: on. Uh, <sighs> 2007 Enchanted.
0: Oh, hang on. He's not in that. He's, whoever Owen's thinking of, is not. James. It An- oh, go on.
3: Yes, yes,
0: James Marsden. No,
3: this is not oh. James Marsden. I was going to say Andy Sandberg. No, this is not.
0: Uh. Yeah, I know this he's not he's in Enchanted. I've seen that like 10 times. Oh, right. uh, 2007.
2: Yeah. Okay. Charlie Wilson's war.
0: Okay. James. Yes, James. Amy Adams. It is Amy no.
2: Adams. 3-0.
0: <laughs> 3-0, yeah. James. Right. Okay. Uh, I've got, I've got the film. I know which film I'm choosing. Um. Uh, Owen bought this. Well, both of you have bought this upon yourselves, to be honest. Um. Steve, for sending us down this world into horrific films, uh, and Owen, because in a challenge he said that he might like this. Uh, I'm going to pick Nick Cage's horrific <laughs> sci-fi abomination, oh, dear. Knowing. But um, it's available on various Netflix regions. I've
2: seen it. So. Oh, no! Uh, That's ruined
0: everything. (laughs) That's ruined everything. I haven't
2: seen it for a while, and I did see a quite bad copy, so...
0: Right, no, it's that then. It's knowing. Uh, Steve, should have shut
3: up then, honestly. Oh, Um, oh, it's so bad.
0: (laughs) So, I'll I'll try and
3: watch Cutthroat Island. I've got in a week to watch Cutthroat Cutthroat Island and knowing.
0: Yeah, and we can have a face-off for which has been the worst choice ever. and Maybe we'll come to some kind of truce, and next time, whoever wins might actually... (laughs) choose a decent <laughs> film yeah it's the only bad Nick Cage film in existence well, that's how bad it is
1: <laughs>
0: Owen don't you even start <laughs> don't you even start on this this yeah. is why this is why You'd learn when you're ahead or not too far behind and, you know, otherwise I'll layer some more stuff on there right.
3: ok I'll quit so yeah, yeah
0: Nick Cage is knowing what a twist as well that's all I'm going to say wow
2: <laughs> I
3: look forward to it then. Why are we doing this to ourselves?
2: I know. I know. You started well, we were, and then
3: yeah, and then you started it.
2: Yeah, it's it's all my fault. Yeah. let's let's blame me. Uh they both have a pretty similar rating on Rotten Tomatoes so
0: Okay, uh, this is good this is gonna be a huge face off of terrible films. Yes. This is what this is what yeah, the fact that I've still got half well no, just under half of the IMDB top two fifty to watch and I'm spending my time watching Cutthroat <laughs> Island and I might even rewatch Knowing. I won't. It'll never happen. But I might. No, <laughs> I
2: won't. <laughs> okay, time for the news then, and Quentin Tarantino has benched his new film, I believe.
0: Yes, um I, I which is not good. This is bad news. Um Quentin Tarantino was going to return to the western genre with his film The Hateful Eight, which what, I believe was about bounty hunters. Um a kind of a Magnificent Seven style kind of ensemble western. I was very much looking forward to it. Um but according to Quentin himself, he only gave the script to 3 people. Um, Michael Madsen, Bruce Dern, and Tim Roth, and weirdly he trusts Tim Roth. He's, he says it's definitely not Tim Roth. It's not come, the leak hasn't come from his camp, uh, which is someone I can't remember who pointed out on Twitter. I think it was. So that's kind of ironic considering Reservoir Dogs that um he trusts Tim Roth over Michael Madsen. <laughs> um, but yeah, apparently um one of Michael Madsen's or Bruce Dern's agents has kind of leaked the script and it's ended up on Gorka uh, the website and Quentin Tarantino is not only threatening to sue Gorka but also says that he's become really disillusioned and had enough and for that reason for now he's not going to make the film he's got he's got other plans he's going to move on to something else which I think is a real shame
3: it is a shame because I think Django was good and it would it would have been great to see him make a new sort of spaghetti western trilogy you know sort of mm. taking on Sergio Leon's, uh, you know, mantle. I know it's a long mm. time ago, but you know, to make something like that for a modern audience would have been great. Yeah. But uh, but you know, at the same time, um, the fact he's now going to pursue other avenues is also quite good to see what else he could come up with, um, just to to make something a bit different and and hopefully start him on something unique. You know, he's done a lot of these um grindhouse sort of films mm. and been involved in those projects, and, and Django, although it wasn't wasn't Grindhouse, it was another one of these that's an ode to an older kind of cinema. you just trying to blueprint a future, move to the suburbs, have kids. That's bad. If that's
1: what music is for you, a way to get to that place,
3: then yeah, it's, it's, it's
1: a little careerist, and it's a little square, and it's a little sad. If I <laughs> we, no What'd done. you say you played? Folk songs. I Folk songs. I
2: thought you said you were a musician.
1: To the one I love. If the music's not
2: what? Quit?
1: Just exist? It's not so bad. Existing. Well, man. Do you ever think about the future at all? He moved his body. Like don't tell Jim. Oh. Obviously. Mel, well, no, there was no advance on my solo record. There's got to be some royalty. Mel? Mel!
2: How you doing, kid? I remember one evening. Welcome to this week's uh, Failed Critics podcast, um, where later on we'll be reviewing a new release inside Lewin Davis. Um, before that, we've got all the usual bits and pieces. I'm Steve Norman, joined by James Diamond. Hello. And Owen Hughes. Hello. Um, and we'll, we'll start off then uh, with the quiz, where James is tuning it up We all over the this round no one has watched cutthroat island yet though i'm rather (laughs) disappointed to say
0: no we'll get there i promise will you yeah i promise (laughs) i'll I'll find space for it sometime this week Mm. (laughs) you've still not watched the final member you you are talking you've got no moral high ground whatsoever steve i will
2: will always have the moral high ground
0: Um, yeah i'm not sure about that
2: i've not made you watch a documentary about knobs so I've,
0: i've I have a feeling that will be a better film. (laughs) That's all I'm saying.
2: Anyway, uh, for this quiz then, we'll start off in 2000 with Psycho Beach Party.
0: (laughs) I don't know, but I want to watch it already.
2: Yeah, that's good. On also 2000, uh, a film people might have heard of this time, Cruel Intentions 2
0: okay I I did know there was a sequel I'm just trying to think if any of the original none of the original cast would have come back for that James uh, Ryan Felipe no no okay I don't don't think any of the original cast will have come back for that
2: back to film you might not have heard of but possibly on the line to Psycho Beach Party in 2002 The Slaughter Rule
0: (laughs) nope
2: also 2002 Catch Me If You Can
0: oh okay I uh, can't remember anyone who's in that apart from the big one. No, it won't be any of them. No, it's not going to be Tom Hanks. He's definitely not in Psycho Beach Party.
2: Well, you, you never know.
0: <laughs> you never know, but I, I, I'll, I'll hold my, I'll keep my powder dry on that one. Uh,
2: 2005. the...
0: I missed that yeah, one, Steve. Went blank. All I heard was <laughs> the.
2: 2005, the wedding date. Okay. Uh, 2006
3: Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby.
1: Okay.
3: Um... Uh, Owen. It... Yes, What's Owen. What's his name? He's the guy from the Golden Globes. He won the Golden Globes for the Brooklyn Nine Nine.
0: Uh... <sighs> I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you have a go at that, Owen. I'm gonna you know, be gentlemanly and not jump in.
3: I can't remember what he was. What he's called? Fuck. We're gonna have to carry on. <laughs> okay. Uh, we we'll, we will carry on. Uh, oh.
2: 2007 Enchanted.
0: Oh, hang on. He's not in that. He's, whoever Owen's thinking of, is he's it, not. James. Is it, oh, go on.
3: Yes, yes,
0: James Marsden.
3: No, this is not oh. James I was Marsden. Going, I was going to say Andy Sandberg. No, it's not.
0: Uh. Yeah, I know he's not oh, in Enchanted. I've seen that about 10 times. Oh, right. uh, 2007, yeah. okay.
2: Charlie Wilson's war.
0: Okay. James. Yes, James. Amy Adams.
2: It is
0: Amy no. Adams. 3-0. <laughs> 3-0, yeah. James. Right. Okay. Uh, I've I've got the film. I know which film I'm choosing. Um. Uh, Owen bought this. Well, both of you have bought this upon yourselves, to be honest. Um. Steve, for sending us down this world into horrific films, uh, and Owen, because in a challenge he said that he might like this. Uh, I'm going to pick Nick Cage's horrific <laughs> sci-fi abomination, oh, dear. Knowing. But um, it's available on various Netflix regions. I've
2: seen it. So.
0: Oh no, uh, oh, oh, that's, <laughs> that's ruined everything. That's ruined everything. I haven't seen
2: it for a while and I did see a quite bad copy, so...
0: Right, no, it's that then, it's knowing. God, uh, Steve, yeah,
2: should yeah. have shut up
3: then, it's honestly. It's oh, it, um, oh, it's so bad.
0: It, <laughs> so,
2: <laughs>
3: it's,
0: I'll, I'll try and watch Cutthroat so
3: Island. I've got in a week to watch Cutthroat. Cutthroat Island and knowing.
0: Yeah, and we can have a face-off for which has been the worst choice ever, and maybe we'll come to some kind of truce, and next time whoever wins might actually... <laughs> Choose a decent <laughs> film. Yeah, it's the only bad Nick Cage film in existence. Well, That's how I bad it is.
1: <laughs>
0: Owen, don't work. you even start! Don't <laughs> you even start on this. This yeah. is why. This is why. You learn when you're ahead or not too far behind, and you know, Otherwise, I'll layer some more stuff on there.
3: Right. Okay. I'll quit. So yeah. yeah,
0: Nick Cage is knowing. What a twist as well. That's all I'm gonna say. Wow.
3: <laughs> I look forward to it
2: then. Why are we doing this to ourselves?
0: I know, I know. You started. Well, we were, dude. and then
3: yeah, and then you started it.
2: Yeah, it's, it's all my fault. Yeah, let's let's blame me. Uh, they both have a pretty similar rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So.
0: Okay, uh, this is good. This is going to be a huge face-off of terrible films. Yes. This is what it's worth. Yeah, the fact that I've still got half, well, no, just under half of the IMDb Top 250 to watch, and I'm spending my time watching Cutthroat <laughs> Island, and I might even rewatch Knowing. I won't. It'll never happen, but I might. No,
2: <laughs> I won't. <laughs> okay, time for the news then, and Quentin Tarantino has benched his new film, I believe.
0: Yes, um, I, I, which is not good. This is bad news. Um, Quentin Tarantino was going to return to the Western genre with his film The Hateful Eight, which well, I believe was about bounty hunters, um, a kind of a Magnificent Seven style kind of ensemble Western. I was very much looking forward to it. Um, but according to Quentin himself, he only gave the script to three people, um, Michael Madsen, Bruce Dern, and Tim Roth. And weirdly, he trusts Tim Roth. He's, he says it's definitely not Tim Roth. It's not come, The leak hasn't come from his camp, uh, which is someone I can't remember who pointed out on Twitter, I think it was. So that's kind of ironic, considering Reservoir Dogs, that um, he trusts Tim Roth over Michael Madsen. <laughs> um, but yeah, apparently, um, one of Michael Madsen's or Bruce Dern's agents has kind of leaked the script and it's ended up on Gorka uh, the website and Quentin Tarantino is not only threatening to sue Gorka but also says that he's become really disillusioned and had enough and for that reason for now he's not going to make the film he's got he's got other plans he's going to move on to something else which I think is a real shame
3: it is a shame because I think Django was good and it would it would have been great to see him make a new sort of spaghetti western trilogy you know sort of mm. taking on Sergio Leon is, uh you know, mantle. I know it's a long mm. time ago, but, you know, to make something like that for a modern audience would have been great. Yeah. But, uh, and- but you know, at the same time, um, the fact he's now going to pursue other avenues is also quite good to see what else he could come up with um, just to to make something a bit different and, and hopefully start him on something unique. You know, he's done a lot of these um, Grindhouse sort of films mm. and, been involved in those projects and and django although it wasn't wasn't grindhouse it was another one of these that's an ode to an older kind of cinema yeah so yeah to push him towards something new something original would have been you know i'm all for that mm. uh, now I, I have to say I think a few
0: people like really kicked off at tarantino accused him of having a tantrum stuff like that but I, i'd be honest i i sympathize with him because it was a first draft that's got out there. And I know a few people have said this on Twitter and I go, uh, yeah, in my days of trying to write stuff and things like that. And, and, you know, my reviews and stuff. Yeah, everything I put up on the site is never my first. Fu- I don't want people reading my first draft, to be honest. I, w- I want them to have a look when I've had a few goes at it. um. So I can kind of sympathize with mm. Quentin Tarantino for saying that's not the movie. That, that's kind of ruined a lot of it for him. It's ruined a bit of the magic. um. It, so I've, I've got sympathy for him there. And if it was Michael Madsen's people that have ruined this, wow, that's You know, he can't get on screen for love nor money these days. Yeah, yeah that's you know, he's, he's, if, begging, if,
2: he's begging for free when he five, isn't he? And, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs>
0: so uh, yeah, we've we've got an issue there with you know if that is the case. Someone else uh, also suggested someone else on Twitter. It's terrible. I can never remember who it was. Um, but yeah, they suggested that possibly tarantino's next film could just be him in a room with uh, michael Madsen, bruce Dern, and tim roth trying to work out how the script got leaked
2: and, and uh, christian guru murphy
0: yes that's it get him in there for his cameo um uh, so yeah it's it's a shame um uh but yeah we move on it just means we're probably a year further away from another quentin tarantino film now which mm. is which is a bad thing
2: should get him to do one of the marvel films
0: a Tarantino
2: really, Marvel film. Wow. Yeah.
0: That that'd be really interesting.
2: I'll just yeah. if it happens heard it here first and I'll be taking 10% of everything.
0: <laughs> Cuz he has dabbled in things where you wouldn't expect him to. Die. He's I believe he's definitely directed an episode of um CSI. And I think he's directed an episode of ER as well actually. Or
2: like he's doing this was doing this western about bounty hunters. Let him do that, but in Star Wars. So in, in, do that. Tarantino but, Star Wars. Yep. yep. So if, if Tarantino Marvel or Tarantino Star Wars happens, I am having 10% of all of it.
0: Yep, that's how it works,
2: yep. Steve. That's yeah.
0: exactly how that's
2: it right. works. 10% though, yeah. aiming pretty low. Should go a bit yeah. higher.
0: Should have gone I'm, at least 50.
2: I'm, I'm being realistic, I know how the film industry <laughs> <that really> works. <laughs> Other other news, I believe, is, is news coming out of Sundance Film Festival.
0: Yeah, Sundance has just finished. Um, and a lot of people saying it's not been quite as good as recent Sundance. Yeah, there's been some good films, but nothing that's really broke through. Although, one of the examples that people give for that is Beasts of the Southern Wild, which I thought was a bit trash, to be honest. So, yeah, who am I to say? Uh, but anyway, there are a few films that I just wanted to point out that I think looked really good. first thing is... Uh, The Raid 2 had its first screening at Sundance and initial reports are that it is epically amazing. (laughs) Set your hyperbole to maximum DEFCON 9 or something like that. Because apparently it does marry the frenetic violence of the Raid with a proper epic criminal classic. Um, Wow. That's exactly what we want. Yeah. So that's great. I, I'm I'm really pleased to hear that. It's not got a UK release yet, but it's being released in the US at the end of March, I think it is.
3: Is that right? That soon?
0: Yeah. End of March. Yeah. Um. So obviously I've got my hopes high that it's going to be the surprise film at Glasgow. It's not, but it might be, and that'd be <laughs> awesome. Um. A few interesting films though. Uh. Mark De um. And Elizabeth Moss from Mad Men. Starring a film uh, a film called The One I Love, which is a kind of near future sci-fi film about a couple who go away to their therapists for the weekend to save their marriage. But it's one of these films that everyone's talking about the twist and saying, well, I can't say anything about the film because it will give it away. Uh, but it's got a lot of really good buzz. Um, and I like both those actors. So that sounds really interesting. One of the most kind of interesting concepts that came out of it is a new Richard Linklater film called Boyhood. Have you, have either of you two heard about this?
2: I can't say I have.
0: Okay. Um basically it's been filmed over twelve years. Um every year for about three or four days. Richard Linklater has done some filming with Patri- Patricia Arquette, Ethan Hawke, and two child actors who have grown up over these twelve years. It's a film called Boyhood and basically it spans 12 years of two books. So you actually see the actors grow up over the course of one single film. I don't know if the story's any good or the acting's any good, but to be honest, Richard Linklater, great director. Um, loved it, I've loved his Before Before Sunrise, Sunset, Midnight type series. So I'm, I'm really quite excited about that. It sounds a bit like um the, the Seven Up documentary series, but as a film. Uh, which is very cool. Uh, We've also had a screening of Lars von Trier's both parts of Nymphomaniac, uh, which is about four hours long. And people have said it's interesting, at least. Um, You're looking forward to seeing that in the the cinema amongst other people?
3: All hours seems a bit excessive, especially as, I mean, like you said, people have said it's interesting. Nobody's come out and said it's like the best thing they've ever seen, which is... I know it shouldn't matter, but for something that's four hours long, it just seems like you've really got to drag yourself to see
2: it. Yeah, or maybe I mean,
3: no, that maybe that's just me. Like,
2: look, but you know, like we were saying about the Wolf of Wall Street, if you haven't done any reading up on the film, you can understand why you might get some old ears in there who don't really know what the film's about. Yeah. I, don't, I don't. At least I don't, this one's called. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> what I was, that's what I was going to say. I don't think there's any chance of people making a mistake of a film called *Nymphomaniac*. No, you. If you go into *Nymphomaniac*, you know what you're getting yourself in for. That's so, it, don't, yeah. so don't sit there and tut all the way through it.
0: Too <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and then finally, two um really interesting British films mm. that did really well. The first one is um, *Frank* from director Lenny Abrahamson, uh, which has, and I still can't believe I'm going to say this, which stars Michael Fassbender as Frank Sidebottom. Um, it. Apparently, his performance, despite the fact that he's inside a papier-mâché head, is incredible. Uh, I'm hearing really, really good things about this um, kind of bleakly funny British film, but a very uniquely British film. Um, so that's great. And also Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon's uh, The Trip to Italy, which is the sequel to, the, weirdly, the BBC TV series The Trip, which got cut into a 90-minute film called The Trip. And the sequel is just a film, I believe, although it is also going to be shown on television. So I'm not sure how long it's going to be. But um, those of you who don't know, Steve Coogan and Rob Bryden starring as kind of hyper real versions of themselves, go around a load of restaurants and talk to each other for 90 minutes. I bloody loved it. Um, it
3: was fantastic. It was yeah, really, really, really
0: good. Yeah. yeah um, so, yeah, some good British stuff coming out of um, Sundance. And to finish that off, actually um was a film called whiplash which uh a british film which won uh the audience award and i think won the grand jury award as well which is about a jazz drummer uh who kind of battles against uh, a disciplinarian teacher or something like that i don't know but i'm hearing very good things about that as well so some interesting things coming out of sundance and hopefully we'll start to see a few of them pop up in uh cinemas across, over here at some point um Obviously, loads of them never make it, but it would be nice if a few of those that I've just mentioned do.
2: Excellent. Um, I think we'll take a break there. We'll be back with uh, what we've been watching. It's what we've been watching, then. Um, And, James, why don't you start us off? Have you been carrying on with your Around the World in 80 films?
0: Uh, I've not had a chance to this week. Um, I've been... Uh, you know, real life and everything like that. So, I right bloody pain. You, you can probably hear my voice is on the verge of going, which is why this is going to be one of our shortest podcasts ever. I'm pretty sure of that because it could go at any moment um but yeah uh i haven't had a chance although this week i'm in london so i'm getting a chance to see italy's oscar nomination for this year the great beauty which is playing at the prince charles cinema so i'm very much looking forward to that so that will almost certainly be my review next week when i'll be back on the world cinema bandwagon so this week i just had a chance to catch up with a film that i wanted to i think i might have even mentioned it in my autumn preview last year but it just never ended up being shown in a cinema anywhere near me at all Uh, and it's a a u.s indie comedy called the to-do list and it stars Aubrey Plaza from one of my favorite sitcoms at the moment Parks and Recreation but also from kind of I I think we can call it pod favorite safety not guaranteed is that fair yeah
3: Yeah. Jerry certainly Uh, loved it didn't
0: he Jerry really loved it I loved it you liked it as well didn't you Steve
3: yeah
0: did you see it Owen
3: no, it's on my okay. you know, since they introduced a list on Netflix. It's been okay, sitting it's on, on there, there, the first film on it for since since they created
0: Brilliant. it. Yeah. okay. You still not watching
3: anyway, it. Shock. Still haven't got
0: it. Anyway. Yeah, okay. But yeah, so uh Aubrey Plaza but also it Wait, well, it's a US indie film, so it stars like the kind of people you'd expect to star in it in a way. It's um quite quite a big cast um which includes bill hader um from saturday night live and super bad and the voice of clearly with the chance of meatballs uh alias Shawcat who plays maybe in arrested development and has also been in various other films almost exactly like this uh rachel bilson christopher Mintz-Plasse, andy sandberg donald glover as well and um clark Gregg who of course is agent coulson from the marvel movies and is brilliant in everything he's in um the basically uh, the story behind this film it's uh, it's a it's a it's basically American Pie from a female perspective uh, almost. Uh, Aubrey Plaza plays Brandy Clark who is uh, uh, honors valedictarian. She is a brilliant student but she's also a virgin, just about to go off to college and she decides that she wants to make sure well her friends tell her she needs to be more experienced before she goes to college so being the organized student that she is she makes a to-do list which is what she does in everything in her life but this to-do list um features sexual acts that she needs to get ticked off before she can finally complete the big one which is having sex with her dream crush um a man called rusty waters who plays guitar and has huge pecs you know um and the film just kind of goes from there. I, what I will say, it's it's not particularly groundbreaking. Uh, as I said, it American Pie did this did a similar kind of storyline. What American Pie must be what fifteen years old now? It,
2: yeah, must, it must be at, at least,
0: least. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that kind of American Pie was kind of spawned this new era of teen teen stroke sex comedies um
2: none none of them really got to the same height as American Pie no
0: no no especially the American Pie sequels which weren't bad but kind of diminishing returns as they went um what I would say about this film is no it doesn't reach the same highs as American Pie although although part of me thinks is that because I'm now 34 and I watched American Pie when I was a late teenager myself maybe that's part of the reason this didn't reach the highs but what I will say is this was a lot better than a lot of the imitators that have come since. It's not a classic by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I'd say it's the kind of film where if you like the people involved, it's worth watching. I'm a big fan of Aubrey Plaza. I'm glad I watched it. I really like um, Greg Clark. Clark Gregg, sorry. Not Greg Clark. Clark Greg. Um I like a lot of the cast, Alia Shawcat as well. I like a lot of the cast and that was what gave the film some of its charm was that I felt like I'd seen some of these actors before and I liked them. I like they weren't doing anything too different from a lot of their kind of standard personas. No one was doing anything which was particularly challenging. Um but it was funny, there was some charm and actually what, what saves it a little bit is it, it's actually quite quite in your face and rude as well um more so than the american pie films uh there's some quite explicit acts not necessarily acted out on screen but you you know very much inferred on screen um the language is quite up there there's also this weird thing where it's set in 1993 for no apparent reason apart from i can imagine the writer and director maggie carey just really trawled her own kind of background for that. the only reason i can think that she might have set this in 1993 because there aren't even that many jokes about the fact that yeah you know, there aren't that many jokes about no one having cell phones or anything like that it's just um god i'm so mad i call them a cell phone oh, <laughs> um but there's there's not really many jokes about the time so i'm assuming it's quite I don't know if I'm slandering my Carey here by saying that she decided to become a massive slut before she went off to college. But I get the impression it's quite um, autobiographical. What I will say as well is a big part of it is set over the summer in a water park. Um, and Bill Hader is the manager of this park. So there was there's a huge Adventureland thing going on there. Uh, but this is better than Adventureland, which I didn't really like. But also kind of pales in comparison to uh, last year's The Way Way Back as well, which was just pretty much superior in every way uh but this is a this is a different type of film but i i think this film probably suffered a little bit in the sense that it was made before the way way back but then got kind of left on shelf for a bit and then the way way back did really well last year and it was probably a sense of people didn't want another teen sexual coming of age type comedy set in a water park well in this it's not quite a water park it's just literally a swimming pool but anyway um yeah it it was funny it was rude some bits fell a bit flat it it's difficult to say too much more about it to be honest i don't don't know if i need to uh, there's nothing really in depth to analyze there's no kind of huge debate around sexual politics or anything like that except the fact that it's quite nice to see that women can be quite rude and disgusting but not in a but not in a completely male way. That's, I think that is important to state, actually. Because I, I, I enjoyed Bridesmaids uh, two years ago now. Um, but the worst bit about Bridesmaids was the section in the middle where they're all crapping on the toilet, basically. And I was just like, you've just lifted that out of a, a generic blokes gross-out comedy and swapped the genders around. Uh, it just fell out of place. Because the rest of the film actually talked about issues of sisterhood and femininity and was funny in that sense what i did like about this film was a huge amount of it was actually not just oh look it's american pie but with women but actually no you did it did look at it from the female point of view um there was definitely a female voice here uh play and so i think it is important to point that out overall though it's it's reasonably funny it's a it's a diverting kind of 100 minutes of your time with a few decent performances. Everyone in this film will do better films at some point in their life, but they'll probably do worse films as well.
2: Okay.
3: Uh, Owen, what have you watched this week? Um, I'll very quickly go over one of them um, that I've only just finished watching, actually, um, just before we we started the podcast. But it's been reviewed to death on here already, so I'm only going to briefly mention it. I watched This Is The End, Comedy starring uh, Seth uh, Thingy Mabob, was it? Rogan, Seth yeah, Seth Rogan. Jonah Hill is in it. Um, there's some other people who I recognise but couldn't tell you the names. There are lots of like these American comedians who are in lots of American comedy films, and it was good. I liked it. I, I found it quite funny. I was um, not. I'm never quite sure with these films but what to expect going into them. Sometimes they just use gross out humour, or sometimes they just really crap to be honest but it was it was quite (laughs) funny I thought the characters were the the way they spoofed themselves particularly James Franco I thought was fantastic yeah um but yeah it it was just quite funny and I know you guys liked it and I know everyone who seems to have watched it enjoyed it but it's just taken me a little while to get around to it um but yeah so I I like that but the the main film I'm going to talk about um it was a documentary I think I mentioned on one of our last podcasts, one of the last few we've done, that I didn't really watch many documentaries last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of crammed them all in within a month before the end of the year so I could actually take part in the voting. So I've decided I'm going to try and watch a few more this year. So I watched one uh, on Blinkbox. It was recommended to me by Blinkbox through Twitter. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't have bothered with it. But it's called Which Way is the Front Line from Here? The Life and Times of Tim Hetherington. Um, and it's actually um, he's a Tim Hetherington. He's a journalist, a photojournalist who um, spends his time photographing war. He's in war zones. He's in the Libyan civil war where he actually gets killed. That's where he's, he's, he's killed, taking photos of the war. Um, but the whole documentary is really just about his life, about who he was as a person. Uh, and so in that sense, um, Whilst watching it, it feels less like a documentary and more like... I think the the director, Sebastian Junger, is actually... um, He was a friend of Tim Hetherington. And that comes across in the the film. It's very personal. uh, More like a tribute to his friend who's passed on, if you like. Um, But, you know, not to take anything away from the the film itself, um, I thought it was very interesting. This Tim Hetherington guy, he's a very interesting character. The things that he did... Uh, the, the, the photos he took and the positions he put himself into are all amazing. Uh, he was a very talented guy. He, um, I'm not going to go over exactly what his life was like and his background. Um, but he was this British guy, public school educated, uh, went to Oxford and then decided what he's going to do with his life is he always likes traveling. So he's going to become a photojournalist and he actually I mean, he just throws himself into these danger zones. You know, he really gets right into the, the thick of the action. But instead of taking photos that make you, you know, see the devastation of mm. war or make you look at how horrible mankind is, he he tries to capture a softer, more optimistic version of humanity through war. So there's lots of pictures of, of um, the people involved, not all of them um, suffering from devastation, but some some people who are finding happiness in war. And I think it's from that point of view... Um, it really, it, it really makes you want to find out more about this guy, about Tim Hetherington about his work. And I think that was the intention of the documentary, more than as, like I say, it comes across like a tribute. But well, I think it's more to try and raise awareness about who he was and what he did. Um, and also the, the way that it ends. I mean, it's very, it's a very touching film. And th- there's something about uh, the, the last few words that are spoken of the documentary. I know it's a little bit of a, a shtick to have these, like, wise words spoken. and But, it it, it I mean, it makes you realise how little you, you know about war. And I think I said on Twitter as well that it it's a proper you-weren't-there-man moment, you know. The, the way that this, this character in, in mm. the documentary describes what happened and describes Tim Heddington, it just it, it surmises it in a very short sentence. Um, and, yeah, it's right. You, you don't know anything about war until you've been there. And that sounds clichéd, but I think... Gathering from from the documentary, I think that's safe to say that yeah you've got no idea about these people. The photos that he's taken give you a very uh, you know they give you a huge insight into who's involved in war but you 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 just don't know it I mean you're an observer and um that comes across very very strongly and passionately throughout the documentary um but yeah it's uh it, it, it's okay it's only about seventy minutes long so if you did see it pop up again on a Blinkbox sale, or if it gets added to Netflix, I think it was actually HBO. Uh, HBMO, Who the fuck are they? It's a HBO documentary, mm. um, so maybe it'll crop up on Sky Atlantic as well at some point. You never know. But um, yeah, it's worth a watch. Like I say, I found it very interesting.
2: Um, film I will be reviewing. Film I saw this week. One I wanted to see for a while, um, which is strange considering the only other Ben Wheatley work I've seen was A Field in England, which I thought was <laughs> absolute. <laughs> Garbage. Um, <laughs> one of my
3: top twenty <laughs> films of the year. <laughs> uh,
2: but it was it was sightseers uh, directed by Ben Wheatley and written and starring Alice Lowe and Steve Oram, or Oram. I'm not sure which. Oram. I um, know, yeah. But anyway, it is described as a black comedy. I didn't really find it funny in in kind of any way, but I still liked the film. I don't know if that make, okay. I don't know if that makes any sense whatsoever
0: well, that's interesting because i I find it incredibly funny
2: oh, uh, darker, yeah. dark no, it, uh, it was definitely dark uh, for people who don't know I'm sure it's been reviewed on here before uh, almost a certain few times yeah yeah but yeah it, it's it's uh a couple um, who go on a, a caravanning holiday or a road trip in a caravan and um, they basically start killing people. Um, yeah, I said, I didn't really laugh much during it. It was a couple of occasions where I did, but I couldn't, you know, I couldn't recall any of them now.
3: But I liked the film. I liked <laughs> the
2: big pencil, the big, the big pencil.
3: pencil. The, I'm, God, I'm wearing tights. That's just one of the funniest lines, the way it's delivered. That, that, yeah, that was funny. Um, yeah, but, but kind of, I, I like. <laughs> He's a Daily
0: Mail reader. They're not real people.
2: <laughs> but you know, I liked the film. I I liked the character, the two main characters, um, Chris and Tina. Who played, you know, kind of? I suppose some people would describe them as as quirky if they weren't killers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought, yeah, you know, I thought it was an interesting plot. Kind of, an in, you know, characters were interesting. Um, you obviously found out more about kind of Tina's background and why she was she was kind of how she was more than you did about Chris. Really, I mean, you saw Tina's relationship with her mum and how kind of controlling she could be how much she wanted to control her daughter which is probably why she went off and, and did what she did uh, in the film you don't really get that kind of sense of background with Chris which isn't really a problem but like I said yeah it's, it's a good film I definitely enjoyed it. Um, it and it was worth watching I just I'm, I just didn't really find it that funny and, it, and it's billed as a comedy which is maybe something to do with me um,
3: and, no I think a lot of people had that reaction I mean I but I suspect
2: most people who didn't find it funny probably didn't like it, whereas I didn't find it funny but did like it.
0: Yeah, I think you're in a minority there. Uh, <laughs> I, I I do think you're at, no, because you're right. A lot of people really didn't like it at all, and one of the thing one of their criticisms being that I thought it was meant to be a comedy. Um, but I I think me and Owen both found it hilarious, but also deeply disturbing at times as well. Oh, yeah. And I think I said at the time, it reminds me of the League of Gentlemen. Uh,
2: just Yeah, there's, de- there's definitely that slightly just, bleaker. Yeah, there's definitely but, that element to it, kind of surreal is not quite the right word, but you know a bit a bit dark and a bit weird.
3: But mm. that's sort of Ben Wheatley though. I think, I mean, I've watched all of his films and I think it, uh, he's a director I really like. I've, mm. you know, I'm looking forward to everything that he's going to make in the future. I hope he gets involved more as well in um, back in the horror genre because I think Kill List was was very good. Um, He's doing, he, he's doing two Doctor Who episodes, isn't he? He's doing. He's yeah. taking on some Doctor Who work, but I want him to get back to making se- uh, serious films, saying, like, I'm not taking Sightseer seriously, because I, I am, I think it's very good. I want him to get back into making stuff that's proper feature films, if you know what I mean. And I think mm. if he... I don't want him to go back down the TV route. He's done the TV route. I thought his work on Ideal was very good. I like Ideal. I think the series he did... Um, it was, it had that surreal element to it, and it mm. was a bit dark and twisted, but I still find that very funny. Um, but I just want him to come back to making stuff like Kill List and, and realising his potential, if you like. I don't know. I know maybe that sounds a bit snobby of me, and I'm sorry, but I, that's what I want him <laughs> to do.
0: That's fair enough. <laughs> if you like if you like the work someone does, you want them to do more of it. I, I don't, I don't yeah. kind of begrudge you that. But, no, I think you're right, though, Steve. I, I'm glad you liked Sightseers, because I do think it's... I, I i loved it as a film. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching it again.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't i wouldn't go as far as saying I loved it. I definitely liked it. You know, I'd definitely watch it again down the down the line somewhere. Um, and maybe I'll find it funnier watching it a second time. Possibly. Uh, have you been camping, Steve? I, have you ever been camping? Of course, my family owned a caravan park, so... Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. Maybe, oh, so maybe you didn't find it funny because it hit a bit too close behind.
2: To it's just full of full of inaccuracies, and I was, yeah. You know, <laughs> found, found many kind. You know, I didn't think that. You know, the people who were meant to check the facts, research things beforehand, did a very good job, no. and maybe you know, that's oh, where it fell down. I don't know. I don't have a clue really. I don't know what's going on. Uh, but uh, anyway that's all for uh, what we've been watching Uh, next is our new release review uh, which features just one film this week uh, but two of us have seen it so our new release uh, review this week is uh, Inside Lewin Davis Um, here's a clip
1: okay I can tell this is one of those things where I keep saying no and you think I'm just asking you to beg more yeah
2: that's right
1: (laughs) Hey, well, look, I'm not a trained poodle.
2: I thought singing was a joyous expression of the soul.
1: Yeah. All right. Um, this is... This one's early. Joe should like it.
2: I'm the, only, I'm the only one who's not seen this. So, this is a period of podcast where listeners can enjoy me being quiet and listening to James and Owen talk us through this one.
0: Okay, so yeah, Inside Lewin Davis, the new Cohen Brothers film uh, premiered in Cannes last year. It seems to have been, we seem to have been waiting mm. for it for a, a very long time. Uh, it is essentially the week in a life as IMDb says, of a, a, a folk singer, a young folk singer, as he navigates the Greenwich Village folk scene of 1961, which le- plays it down a little bit, to be honest. It's, it's an interesting character study of a folk singer on the scratching around the edges of fame um, and how he deals with it as a person uh, and as an artist. Owen, um, I mean, I, I, I'm going to just jump over to you quickly because i noticed you said on twitter earlier today that this is your favorite coen brothers film yet so it is
3: yeah we well, there was a little twitter thing going around wasn't there, where people were saying their yeah. favorite coen brothers film the one they think's the best the one they think's the most overrated and one they think's the most underrated i have yes. inside lewin davis now as my favorite i am wow. sincerely tempted to go and watch it again at the cinema and um, wow. I, don't, I never go and see films twice, usually. I think the last mm. film I did was Alan Partridge. So, you know, yeah. going back um, a few months now. So Inside Lewin Davis is tempting me. I find it just utterly engrossing. And I, I, can't, I can't really understand the criticism some people have had where they've said they just drifted off during it. I was hooked. I really wanted to see this guy's story from beginning to end. And it, I think I, I think that's
0: that's the issue actually. Because uh, oh, just to make it clear, I also enjoyed it. Um, it's not my I, it's, I wouldn't go as far as saying it's my favorite Coen Brothers film. You know, uh, I still think Fargo is one of the perfect films. Full stop. Um, but actually, I did, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Uh, I was a little bit trepidatious going into this one because uh, I have had bad experiences with the Coens before, mm-hmm. and kind of a week in the life of a folk singer. I'm not a big folk music fan either. I'll be honest. Um, Yeah. There's a few people I like that you can kind of see, you know, I I like the music of Nick Drake now and again and things like that. But uh, I'll be honest. I was a little bit, uh, but like you, I, I, I really enjoyed this person's story. But what I do think some people, I think some people might have been expecting more in the way of a kind of traditional, hollywood narrative and this doesn't have that it's very much about for me anyway it was very much about mood and tone and a character study rather than being here's a story of a to b to c mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. d um and i think you know i'm not i'm not saying i agree with the criticisms but what i do see is i can see that this isn't this is certainly not the cohen's most accessible film in terms of traditional plot um
3: perhaps not but yeah
0: but it, I think if you if you like if you like the first half hour, you're just going to love the rest of the film. I think it's one of those where if it if it hooks you in quite early on, you're going to really enjoy it for the, the whole film because it you know, and uh, what a great central performance from Oscar. <sighs> isn't Isaac he just as, brilliant in it, though? That's Lewis Davis, uh, because he does carry the he carries the entire film. I, I can't think of a scene without him in. Mm. I think he's in pretty much every scene, yeah, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and it's not just the acting job he's got to do, which is a difficult job in itself, because he's playing quite, quite an unlikable character in many ways. Um, a lot of, I've known people like this, you know, kind of artists who wear their suffering on their sleeve, <laughs> um, who can't understand why people don't love them, um, and are constantly just scratching around to try and make it big looking for that big break but he's a bit of a dick with it as well yes
3: i um, at people and things and i think that was one of the things we picked up on on the football 365 yeah. forum wasn't it some people were saying yeah. they didn't find him likable so they didn't like the film which yeah it's fine if that's how you you know it's like a weird talking. i
0: think likability is a weird because we were talking about wolf of wall street yeah, last week that's right Completely unlikable character. It's about for me. It's not about whether they're likable, but whether they're interesting. Plenty of unlikable people yeah. are interesting on screen, and I think this is the case here. I do think that Lewin Davis is a very interesting character who comes from a very working class background. Uh, you know, part of the the film is his struggle between does he give up his dream of fame to go and do what his dad did, which was working as a merchant seaman. Uh, you know, so it's this. He's got an interesting backstory. Um, he's a snipey character, but as soon as he picks up a guitar and starts singing, you actually see him as a completely different character. Yeah. Which again is a, is an, an interesting study in artists uh, and how they are. They have kind of on stage personas, off stage personas, um, and also I've got to say, very talented singer as well, uh, Mr. Oscar Isaac. Uh, he must sing about four or five. Songs, it's like four or five moments in the film where it's just him and a guitar singing a song, and again, didn't get bored during those moments. I could have easily, uh, but they were really nicely shot, and the music was just pitched just right. Um, yeah, uh, no, I, I think Oscar Isaac is, is fantastic in this film. He's the heart of this film, uh, and my I think my only criticism in terms of the acting and characters would be there were loads of other characters I wanted to see loads more of, but because of the nature of the film. They kind of drift in and out Mm -hmm. of the film and there's not really a lot of loose ends, not really tied up. A lot of questions posed that don't get answered, which is life. Yeah. Um, And I kind of I accept that in this film. But again, that's another reason why I think I can understand some of the criticisms, because it's not easy because there are moments you go, well, what happened with that? Well, why that? You know, and yeah, you're just looking at a snapshot of a a week in this person's life. So you're not (laughs) going to get all these answers and they build up tone. And they build up um, they build up this environment, which which just lets us see a week of a man's life. And I, and I loved it for that.
3: Yeah. And he like you said, he's, he's a great character to watch anyway. Mm. So, you know, it makes it all watchable. Well. Just um, going back to the point about the performances mm. in it. Um, I know the cat. Everyone loves the cat that's in it. Yeah. Uh, which is fine. Good cat. Good cat a brilliant. act. Although there were there were five different cats they used and two yes. of them were... Was it two of them, I think, were... Apparently, they were really difficult to work with, so two cats got the yeah. boot, and three were used, so...
0: but um, Yeah, Cohen said that they hated working with the cats yeah. worse than the vultures in... Uh, I think it was True Grit. Yeah. They said that yeah, they hated cats. And Oscar Isaac himself is scared of cats because he um, contracted a, an infection from a cat scratch when he was younger or something like that, so that's... Huh. The, you know, these yeah, these actors very brave. Know, and film, yeah, the okay. and stuff like he, he picked up a cat. Least <laughs> so, yeah.
3: and uh, but I was going to mention Carrie Mulligan. What was your opinion of her? I,
0: I, I'm a bit biased because I I just really like Carrie Mulligan, full stop. Okay. Um, and I like her in films, and I liked her in this. She was, she was a little bit one note but I I felt it was more the character. But oh, no, I thought she was decent. I thought there were better performances from other people in the film. What were your what was your take then?
3: Yeah, I wasn't that impressed, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I don't know what to make of Kerry Mulligan as an actress anyway. I've seen her be mm-hmm. brilliant in things. She's been really yeah. just like fantastic in lots of things actually. Um but I, whenever I've seen her interviewed mm-hmm. or um or with this, I just well you touched on it. You said one note, and I think she doesn't. Mm. She's one of these actresses. I'm not sure if she's. Got, oh, this is. good. I'm just to like a complete and utter tit on this podcast today. But <laughs> you know, I don't know how, how much charisma she's got, if, if you know what I mean. Mm. And it,
0: I, I, you're not the only person I've heard lay that at her door. Like I say, I'm. I'm. I'm not entirely convinced. What I would say is, at the moment, she hasn't shown. The consistency that some other actresses of her age, you know, looking at the t- the likes of um, obviously Jennifer Lawrence, mm. but also Anna Kendrick, um, you know, a number of actresses of that age that are doing some incredible work. And, yeah, she she has been yeah, on and off in a few films. Um, but I think part of that sometimes has been the films that she's chosen. I thought she was really good in Shame. I, I really yes. liked her in yeah. Shame. Um, never let
3: me go as well, I thought she was great, yeah, anyway. so
0: I think she's definitely yeah I, I you could I think you could pin a little bit of it on her character in the film cause we only see a few days of her character 's life and mm. she 's clearly in a horrible mood for those days, yeah. so i yeah, I don't know what well, I will say though, um uh the man who plays her husband justin timberlake is, is great in his <laughs> short little moments in this film yeah and i didn't even realize it was him for the first bit he's got this little kind of gnomic beard on um <laughs> but he was great and th- there was a lovely little scene a really nice song i need to get the um soundtrack track is
3: fantastic
0: is it oh good uh, the song about um mr kennedy and the astronaut Please, and, mr. that, that, kennedy, was, that yeah. was that was a lovely little scene which had um what i kept noticing is um male actors from the hbo comedy series girls kept turning up in various different roles i did i did notice that it was it was a very hipster greenwich village style (laughs) film uh, in a lot of ways um but other people who were great john goodman is always brilliant in the film Mm -hmm. stand by what i say that um he always improves the film whenever he's on screen and he was a great little kind of cameo essentially from him um there was someone else that i wanted to mention but okay oh um what's his name (laughs) that's that's great isn't it uh bud Bud grossman um
1: f murray abraham
0: f murray abraham again another great so there was a lot of good actors i yeah i can see how some people would complain that they didn't get much closure on a lot of what was going on in the film and we didn't see a lot of actors but then again if this film was another half hour longer to fit in more with those people we'd be saying it was over long whereas i think the length is perfectly pitched
3: yeah uh yeah yeah that's fair enough I mean I could just watch them perform like twice as many songs and extend it with just like that as filler and I would have been yeah. happy but um but yeah I suppose I'm not really a folk fan generally but we I think mm. we should touch on the same track we have sort of mm. mentioned it uh you know I mean I like the odd folk song like Simon and Garfunkel and the Pogues and stuff but there's there's something about the music in this which just so fits perfectly yeah it just suits the mood every single song there's a there's a scene with him singing to his dad and i thought mm. that was just brilliant that's that whole scene and it, it's just it, it, the, the whole film is like that you've got these very yeah. touching moments in the film these lots of lots of um uh you know very deep aspects to, to the songs and how they fit in with lewin's life at that particular time but it's also full of humour. There's lots of humour mm. in in the film. The, yeah. If you're looking for it, you you can laugh at this film all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, but the, the songs, I think, yeah, definitely get the same track if you can get a hold of it. Although I think all the songs in the film are actually performed live. So the ones you get mm. on the same track sound slightly different to the ones in the film.
0: Okay. Yeah. Oh, interesting.
3: But um, definitely, if you if you're just thinking about it, just get it because mm. okay. every song on it is fantastic. And it's the first film soundtrack I've bought. I, really? Whatever. Yeah. I, I had, really? Yeah. I had a soundtrack to, uh, did you ever see the what, uh, what's it called? Um, the, the the Orange County. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I had the soundtrack to that, but I didn't buy it. This is the first one I have bought. And I'm well, thoroughly I, pleased I, with it. I buy it. soundtracks
0: all the time. I barely buy normal albums anymore. So I, that, I'll take that as a recommendation. Yeah.
3: Man. It's fantastic. But, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, the whole film is, is great. I think it's mm. really well written. Um, <clears throat> and and po- like like we said at the start, it's probably my favourite Coen Brothers film. And I'd say it's, uh, of the films I've seen this year, because I think it's been a great year so far for films. I haven't mm. seen anything that I've not liked. I think it just just sits behind 12 Years a Slave um, on my list of favourites at the minute. Just behind okay. But it's just, um, yeah, I loved it okay
0: one last thing then uh because last week we spoke about the oscar nominations and we both uh we we raised the fact that uh inside uh lewin davis hadn't received anything of note mm-hmm. in terms of nominations it, it's got a nomination for best achievement in cinematography and best achievement in sound mixing um which lets, yeah the cinematography oh. one's quite a good one but yeah the sound mixing it sounds like you know it's for the right reasons but um feeling that now we've both seen it feeling pretty hard done by yeah
3: oh yeah absolutely um,
0: nothing for scripts which i think is harsh i think it's really harsh um and nothing for uh oscar isaac although best actors are really competitive yeah i can understand that a little bit more but not even in the best nine for best film and they can have up to 10 as well so they they, decide, per, yeah. they actively chose not to have this film in their best 10 um. Uh, yeah, I think that's harsh. It
3: is very so harsh. That's our uh,
2: new release uh, review for this week. Uh, next week, what films are there? Uh, um, we'll be uh, there's at? barely anything.
0: You know, do you know? I th- is I? I think I Frankenstein might be out next week. Great. <laughs> right. Um. Uh, uh, yeah. No, I know. We're we're talking. I think we're starting to scrape the barrel a little bit. Uh, most of the big, the big ones are out. With we, next week is um I Frankenstein, Lone Survivor. And that awkward moment. Yeah.
3: Wow. (laughs) Mm. Okay.
0: So possibly one. I do just want to apologize to our listeners as well. We didn't have time uh, this week. We've all been really busy. Didn't have to. And we're recording a day early as well. Didn't have time for August Osage County. Maybe if one of us sees that, we'll review that next week. Um, Didn't have time for grudge match uh, this week. And also didn't have time or inclination for Jack Ryan shadow recruit, which doesn't sound like a terrible film, but doesn't sound like a brilliant film. Sounds like a really average, mediocre film. Um, yeah. So, sorry. We're really sorry we've only seen one film this week. Uh, it looks like we're being punished next week with... Uh, Jesus. Although I've heard half-decent things about Lone Survivor. We'll see.
2: Here's uh, some recommendations for you then for the next week or so. Uh, starting off with television, ITV2, Sunday, 5 to, uh, five, to 5, Despicable Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First one, yeah.
3: I rewatched Good that chance. at the weekend actually. It, I, I, it was better than I remembered it. It was like, a okay. lot. The first half is very funny.
2: Or at ten o'clock on ITV three is the feature length film version of Steptoe and Son. Wow. So.
0: Wow, I'm all in for that.
2: <laughs> Why wouldn't you be?
3: Uh. uh, Owen, what what's your recommendation then? Um, I'm going to pick uh ben- Buried, which is on ITV4 on Friday at 11pm, which if you are not seen it, it's a um, very low budget which, uh, film about Ryan Reynolds being trapped in a box for the whole right, film.
2: Not, not actually Ryan Reynolds. He's, he's playing someone.
3: Yeah, <laughs> it's, not, it's not an end, uh, this is the end situation. He's not playing yeah. Ryan Reynolds trapped it's
2: in not, a box. R- yeah, not Ryan Reynolds playing Ryan <laughs> Reynolds buried underground ground in the box. No. Ryan Reynolds playing someone else.
0: On that though i'm sure there's i'm I'm just looking it up now I'm sure there's a film out that's um why well not out yet it's been made though, and it's on the festival circuit somewhere where Ryan Reynolds has uh got a talking cat that is a murderous talking cat or something like that hang on I'm just looking it up it sounds amazing uh, it's called the voices that's it um And it was at Sundance. Here we go. This fits into everything that we're talking about earlier at Sundance. Um, the voices, which is Ryan Reynolds, I believe starring as a kind of version of himself. Um, and he's got a talking Scottish cat, which is trying to get him, uh, to kill his girlfriend played by, uh, Gemma Arterton. And then he has to try and kill Anna Kendrick. Oh, and he's got a dog as well that talks. It sounds amazing. Um, so yeah, I, I really want to make sure that gets out. Anyway, sorry, we're just talking about Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> He's a good looking guy. Um, Anyway, uh, my my one for next week is uh, I'm back on the DVD trail. Um, It was one of my biggest surprises of last year and it's available to buy on DVD and Blu-ray on Monday. And it's Richard Curtis's About Time, which was a surprisingly sweet film about uh, a family where all the males can time travel and it goes kind of talks about going back and if you could change bits of your life would you and what are the consequences and things like that. uh bill nye is absolutely lovely in it and uh, honestly if you if you hated uh notting hill and love actually then obviously don't bother with this but if you if you quite liked them um then I, this is this is a good film i enjoyed it very funny
2: excellent uh so yes we recommend you watch those uh that's all for this week's podcast. Uh, probably less than an hour this this week as well.
0: Yeah, I know. It's, it's, like I say, my throat's about to die, so I've not spoken much, and uh, you two have been able to get a word in edgeways. It's made it a bit shorter. I don't
2: think the listeners should get used to it, though.
0: No, no, no. <laughs> I'll be back next week. I'll, I'll be dosed up on drugs to come back. and I, I will lay down a, a Lars von Trier four-hour bad boy on you next week <laughs> four hour we,
3: review of i frankenstein yeah, yeah, yeah i oh, imagine teasing. that's, no, that's
0: almost performance art isn't it we've, we've
2: got <laughs> we've got reviews of cutthroat island and possibly knowing next week as well, so.
0: as well yeah it's it, my god yeah next week could be could be a world of shit for a lot of people
1: <laughs> let's, let's do we, it
2: uh, the website is Com, and we're on twitter and Facebook as well so read all that in the meantime and thanks for listening
0: The Failed Critics are James Diamond Steve Norman and Owen Hughes with original music provided by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com You can find us at failedcritics.com at Facebook at facebook.com slash failedcritics and on Twitter at, at failedcritics in, in st- do that tarantino but, star
2: wars yep, yep. so if, if tarantino marvel or tarantino star wars happens i am having 10 percent of all of it yep that's how it
1: works yep. Steve. yeah that's
2: exactly how that's it right. works 10 yeah. percent though aiming pretty low should go a bit yeah. higher should have gone at least 50 I'm, I'm being realistic i know the film industry <laughs> works other other news i believe is is news coming out of sundance film festival
0: yeah, Sundance has just finished. Um, and a lot of people saying it's not been quite as good as recent Sundance. Yeah, there's been some good films, but nothing that's really broke through. Although, one of the examples that people give for that is Beasts of the Southern Wild, which I thought was a bit trash, to be honest. So, yeah, who am I to say? Uh, but anyway, there are a few films I just wanted to point out that I think looked really good. First thing is, uh, The Raid 2 had its first screening at Sundance. And initial reports are that it is epically amazing <laughs> set your hyperbole to maximum defcon 9 or something like that because apparently it does marry the frenetic violence of the raid with a proper epic criminal classic um wow that's exactly what we want yeah so that's great I, I'm, I'm really pleased to hear that it's not got a uk release yet but it's being released in the us at the end of march i think it is.
3: Is that right? That soon?
0: Yeah, end of March, yeah. Um, so obviously I've got my hopes high that it's going to be the surprise film at Glasgow. It's not, but it might be, and that would be <laughs> awesome. Um, a few interesting films, though. Uh, Mark Duplass, um, and Elizabeth Moss from Mad Men star in a, fil- uh, a film called The One I Love, which is a kind of near-future sci-fi film about a couple who go away to their therapists for the weekend to save their marriage, but... It's one of these films that everyone's talking about the twist and saying, well, I can't say anything about the film because it will give it away. Uh, But it's got a lot of really good buzz. um, And I like both those actors. So that sounds really interesting. One of the most kind of interesting concepts that came out of it is a new Richard Linklater film called Boyhood. Have have either of you two heard about this?
2: I can't say I have.
0: Okay. basically, it's been filmed over 12 years Um, every year. For about three or four days, Richard Linklater has done some filming with Patri- Patricia Arquette, Ethan Hawke, and two child actors who have grown up over these twelve years. It's a film called *Boyhood*, and basically it spans twelve years of two boys, so you actually see the actors grow up over the course of one single film. I don't know if the story's any good or the acting's any good, but to be honest, Richard Linklater, great director, um, loved it, I've loved his before before sunrise sunset midnight type series so i'm i'm really quite excited about that sounds a bit like um the the seven up documentary series but as a film uh which is very cool uh we've also had a screening of lars von trier's both parts of nymphomaniac uh which is about four hours long and people have said it's interesting at least um you're looking forward to seeing that in in the cinema amongst other people
3: Four hours seems a bit excessive, especially as, it ha- I mean, like you said, people have said it's interesting. Nobody's come out and said yeah. it's like the best thing they've ever seen, yeah. which is, I don't, I know it shouldn't matter, but for something that's four hours long, it just seems like you've really got to drag yourself to see it. Yeah. Or maybe, I mean, no, that maybe that's just me. Like, look, but,
2: you know, like we were saying about the Wolf of Wall Street, if you haven't done any reading up on the film, you can understand why you might get some old deers in there who don't really know what the film's about. Yeah. I don't, I don't, at least this one's called Nymphomaniac. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> what I was, that's what I was going to say. I don't think there's any chance of people making a mistake with a film called Nymphomaniac. No. You, If you go into Nymphomaniac, you know what you're getting yourself in for.
0: That's so don't, it, yeah. so
2: don't sit there and tut all the way through it.
0: <laughs> Too right. Um... And then finally, two um, really interesting British films mm. that did really well. The first one is um, Frank from director Lenny Abraham, uh, Abrahamson, which has, and I still can't believe I'm going to say this, which stars Michael Fassbender as Frank Sidebottom. Um, it, apparently his performance, despite the fact that he's inside a papier-mâché head, is incredible. Uh, I'm hearing really, really good things about this. Um, kind of bleakly funny british film a very uniquely british film um so that's great and also steve coogan and rob bryden's uh, the trip to italy which is the sequel to the weirdly the bbc tv series the trip which got cut into a 90 minute film called the trip and the sequel is just a film i believe although it is also going to be shown on television so i'm not sure how long it's going to be but um those of you who don't know steve coogan and rob bryden starring as kind of hyper real versions of themselves Go around a load of restaurants and talk to each other for 90 minutes. I bloody loved it. Um, It
3: was fantastic. It was yeah, really, really really
0: good. Yeah. Yeah, Um. So yeah, some good British stuff coming out of um, Sundance. And to finish that off, actually, um, was a film called Whiplash, which uh, a British film which won uh, the Audience Award and I think won the Grand Jury Award as well. Which is about a jazz drummer uh, who kind of battles against. Uh, a disciplinarian teacher or something like that i don't know but i'm hearing very good things about that as well so some interesting things coming out of sundance and hopefully we'll start to see a few of them pop up in uh cinemas over here at some point um obviously loads of them never make it but it'd be nice if a few of those that i've just mentioned do
2: excellent um i think we'll take a break there we'll be back with uh what we've been watching it's what we've been watching then um and James why don't you start us off have you been carrying on with your around the world in 80 films
0: I've not had a chance to this week Um, I've been you know real life and everything like that so I bloody pain you you can probably hear my voice is on the verge of going which is why this is going to be one of our shortest podcasts ever I'm pretty sure of that because it could go at any moment Um, but, yeah, uh, I haven't had a chance, although this week I'm in London, so I'm getting a chance to see Italy's Oscar nomination for this year, The Great Beauty, which is playing at the Prince Charles Cinema, so I'm very much looking forward to that, so that will almost certainly be my review next week when I'll be back on the World Cinema Bandwagon. So this week, I just had a chance to catch up with a film that I wanted to... I think I might have even mentioned it in my autumn preview last year, but it just never ended up being shown in a cinema anywhere near me at all uh, and it's a, a u.s indie comedy called the to-do list and it stars Aubrey Plaza from one of my favorite sitcoms at the moment Parks and Recreation but also from kind of I, I think we can call it pod favorite safety not guaranteed is that fair yeah, yeah.
3: Jerry certainly uh, loved it didn't
0: he Jerry really loved it I loved it you liked it as well didn't you Steve
3: yeah
0: did you see it Owen
3: no it's on my okay. you know since they introduced a list on netflix it's been sitting okay, it's on, on there, there the first film on it for, since since they created Brilliant. it
0: yeah okay you still, not watching
3: it. still right
0: haven't it. got anyway it. yeah okay but yeah so uh albury plaza but also it, well, it's a u.s indie film so it stars like the kind of people you'd expect to star in it in a way it's um quite quite a big cast um which includes bill hader um from saturday night live and super bad and the voice of clearly with the chance of meatballs uh alias who plays maybe in arrested development and has also been in various other films almost exactly like this uh rachel bilson christopher mintz plass andy sandberg donald glover as well and um clark Gregg, who of course is agent coulson from the marvel movies and is brilliant in everything he's in um the basically, uh, the story behind this film, it's uh it's a it's a it's basically American Pie from a female perspective, uh almost. Uh, Aubrey Plaza plays Brandy Clark, who is uh, uh honours valedictarian. She is a brilliant student, but she's also a virgin, just about to go off to college and she decides that she wants to make sure well her friends tell her she needs to be more experienced before she goes to college so being the organized student that she is she makes a to-do list which is what she does in everything in her life but this to-do list um features sexual acts that she needs to get ticked off before she can finally complete the big one which is having sex with her dream crush um a man called rusty waters who plays guitar and has huge pecs you know um and the film just kind of goes from there i what i will say it's it's not particularly groundbreaking uh, as i said it american pie did this did a similar kind of storyline what american pie must be what 15 years old now
2: it, yeah it must be at, at least,
0: least yeah. yeah um and that kind of american pie was kind of spawned this new era of teen teen stroke sex comedies
2: um none of them really got to the same height as american pie no no no
0: especially the american pie sequels which weren't bad but kind of diminishing returns as they went um what i would say about this film is no it doesn't reach the same highs as american pie although although part of me thinks is that because i'm now 34 and i watched american pie when i was a late teenager myself maybe that's part of the reason this didn't reach the highs but what I will say is this was a lot better than a lot of the imitators that have come since. It's not a classic by any stretch of the imagination. fact, I'd say it's the kind of film where if you like the people involved, it's worth watching. I'm a big fan of Aubrey Plaza. I'm glad I watched it. I really like um, Greg Clark. Clark Gregg, sorry. Not Greg Clark. Clark Greg. Um I like a lot of the cat. Alias Shawcat as well. I like a lot of the cast, and that was what gave the film some of its charm. Was that I felt like I'd seen some of these actors before, and I liked them a lot. They weren't doing anything too different from a lot of their kind of standard personas. No one was doing anything which was particularly challenging. Um, but it was funny. There was some charm, and actually, what what saves it a little bit is it's actually quite quite in your face and rude as well um more so than the american pie films uh there's some quite explicit acts not necessarily acted out on screen but you you know very much inferred on screen um the language is quite up there there's also this weird thing where it's set in 1993 for no apparent reason apart from i can imagine the writer and director maggie carey just really trawled her own kind of background for the only reason i can think that she might have set this in 1993 because there aren't even that many jokes about the fact that yeah there aren't that many jokes about no one having cell phones or anything like that it's just um god i'm so mad i call them a cell phone (laughs) um but there's there's not really many jokes about the time so i'm assuming it's quite I don't know if I'm slandering Mary Carey here by saying that she decided to become a massive slut before she went off to college. But I get the impression it's quite um, autobiographical. What I will say as well is a big part of it is set over the summer in a water park. um, And Bill Hader is the manager of this park. So there was there's a huge Adventureland thing going on there. uh, But this is better than Adventureland, which I didn't really like. But also kind of pales in comparison to uh, last year's The Way Way Back as well, which was just pretty much superior in every way uh but this is a this is a different type of film but i i think this film probably suffered a little bit in the sense that it was made before the way way back but then got kind of left on shelf for a bit and then the way way back did really well last year and it was probably a sense of people didn't want another teen sexual coming of age type comedy set in a water park well in this it's not quite a water park it's just literally a swimming pool but anyway um yeah, it, it it was funny it was rude some bits fell a bit flat it it's difficult to say too much more about it to be honest i don't, I don't know if i need to uh, there's nothing really in depth to analyze there's no kind of huge debate around sexual politics or anything like that except the fact that it's quite nice to see that women can be quite rude and disgusting but not in a but not in a completely male way. That's, I think that is important to state, actually. Because I, I, I enjoyed Bridesmaids uh, two years ago now. Um, But the worst bit about Bridesmaids was the section in the middle where they're all crapping on the toilet, basically. And I was just like, you've just lifted that out of a, a generic blokes gross-out comedy and swapped the genders around. Uh, it just fell out of place. Because the rest of the film actually talked about issues of sisterhood and femininity and was funny in that sense what i did like about this film was a huge amount of it was actually not just oh look it's american pie but with women but actually no you did it did look at it from the female point of view um there was definitely a female voice here uh play and so i think it is important to point that out overall though it's it's reasonably funny it's a it's a diverting kind of 100 minutes of your time with a few decent performances. Everyone in this film will do better films at some point in their life, but they'll probably do worse films as well.
2: Okay,
3: Uh, Owen, what have you watched this week? Um, I'll very quickly go over one of them um, that I've only just finished watching, actually, um, just before we we started the podcast. But it's been reviewed to death on here already, so I'm only going to briefly mention it. I watched This Is The End. Comedy starring uh, Seth uh Thingamabob. was Rogan. it? Rogan, him, yeah, Seth Rogan. Jonah Hill is in it. Um, there's some other people who I recognise but couldn't tell you the names. There are lots of like these American comedians who are in lots of American comedy films, and it was good. I liked it. I, I found it quite funny. I was um, not. I'm never quite sure with these films but what to expect going into them. Sometimes they just use gross-out humour, or sometimes they just really crap to be honest but it was it was quite (laughs) funny i thought the characters were the the way they spoofed themselves particularly james franco i thought was fantastic yeah um but yeah it it was just quite funny and i know you guys liked it and i know everyone who seems to have watched it enjoyed it but it's just taken me a little while to get around to it um but yeah so i I like that but the the main film i'm going to talk about um it was a documentary i think i mentioned on One of our last podcasts, one of the last few we've done, that I didn't really watch many documentaries last year. Mm -hmm. Um, I sort of crammed them all in within a month before the end of the year so I could actually take part in the voting. So I've decided I'm going to try and watch a few more this year. So I watched one uh, on Blinkbox. It was recommended to me by Blinkbox through Twitter. Um, Otherwise, I wouldn't have bothered with it. But it's called Which Way is the Frontline from Here? The Life and Times of Tim Hetherington. Um, and it's actually um, he's a Tim Hetherington. He's a journalist, a photojournalist who um, spends his time photographing war. He's in war zones. He's in the Libyan civil war where he actually gets killed. That's where he's, he's, he's killed, taking photos of the war. Um, but the whole documentary is really just about his life, about who he was as a person. Uh, and so in that sense, um Whilst watching it, it feels less like a documentary and more like... I think the the director, Sebastian Junger, is actually... um, He was a friend of Tim Hetherington. And that comes across in the the film. It's very personal. uh, More like a tribute to his friend who's passed on, if you like. Um, But, you know, not to take anything away from the the film itself, um, I thought it was very interesting. This Tim Hetherington guy, he's a very interesting character. The things that he did... Uh, the, the, the photos he took and the positions he put himself into are all amazing. Uh, he was a very talented guy. He, um, I'm not going to go over exactly what his life was like and his background, um, but he was this British guy, public school educated, uh, went to Oxford, and then decided what he's going to do with his life is he always likes traveling, so he's going to become a photojournalist. And he actually, I mean, he just throws himself into these danger zones. You know, he really gets right into the the thick of the action. But instead of taking photos that make you, you know, see the devastation of mm. war or make you look at how horrible mankind is, he he tries to capture a softer, more optimistic version of humanity through war. So there's lots of pictures of, of um, the people involved, not all of them um, suffering from devastation, but some some people who are finding happiness in war. And I think it's from that point of view... Um, it really, it, it really makes you want to find out more about this guy, about Tim Hodgkinson, about his work. And I think that was the intention of the documentary, more than as, like I say, it comes across like a tribute. But I think it's more to try and raise awareness about who he was and what he did. Um, and also the, the way that it ends. I mean, it's very, it's a very touching film, and there's something about the, the last few words that are spoken of the documentary. I know it's a little bit of a, a shtick to have these like wise words spoken and but it, it it I mean it makes you realize how little you you know about war and I think I said on Twitter as well that it it's a proper you weren't there man moment you know the, the way that this this character in, in mm. the documentary describes what happened and describes Tim Heington with just it, it surmises it in a very short sentence Um, and yeah it's right you you don't know anything about war until you've been there and that sounds cliched but I think Gathering from from the documentary, I think that's safe to say that, yeah, you've got no idea about these people. The photos that he's taken give you a very, uh, you know, they give you a huge insight into who's involved in war, but and you, you you just don't know it. I mean, you're an observer, and um, that comes across very very strongly and passionately throughout the documentary. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's okay. It's only about 70 minutes long, so. If you did see it pop up again on a Blinkbox sale, or if it gets added to Netflix, I think it was actually HBO. Uh, HBMO, Who the fuck are they? It's a HBO documentary, um, so maybe it'll crop up on Sky Atlantic as well at some point. You never know. But um, yeah, it's worth a watch. Like I say, I found it very interesting.
2: Um, film I will be reviewing. Film I saw this week. One I wanted to see for a while, um, which is strange considering the only other Ben Wheatley work I've seen was *A Field in England*, which I thought was <laughs> absolute. Garbage. Um,
3: <laughs> one of my top twenty films of the year. <laughs> uh,
2: but it was it was sightseers uh, directed by Ben Wheatley and written and starring Alice Lowe and Steve Oram, or Oram. I'm not sure which. Oram, Oram. Um, yeah. But anyway, it is described as a black comedy. I didn't really find it funny in in kind of any way, but I still liked the film. I don't know if that make, okay. I don't know if that makes any sense whatsoever.
0: Well, that's interesting because I I find it incredibly funny. Oh, uh It
2: was definitely dark uh, for people who don't know I'm sure it's been reviewed on here before uh, almost a few times. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. You know, it, it's it's uh, a couple um who go on a, a caravanning holiday or a road trip in a caravan and um they basically start killing people. Um, yeah, like I said, I didn't really laugh much during it. It was a couple of occasions where I did, but I couldn't, you know, I couldn't recall any of them now. But I liked
3: the film. I liked the big pencil. The big, the big pencil. pencil. The, um, I'm big wearing tights. That's just one of the funniest lines. The way it's that, delivered. That, yeah, that was funny. Um, yeah. But, but kind
2: of, I, I like. <laughs> He's a
0: Daily Mail reader. They're not real people.
2: <laughs> but you know, I liked the film. I I liked the character, the two main characters, um, Chris and Tina. Who played, you know, kind of? I suppose some people would describe them as as quirky if they weren't killers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought, yeah, you know, I thought it was an interesting plot. Kind of, the you know, characters were interesting. Um, you obviously found out more about kind of Tina's background and why she was she was kind of how she was more than you did about Chris. Really, I mean, you saw Tina's relationship with her mum and how kind of controlling she could be how much she wanted to control her daughter which is probably why she went off and, and did what she did uh, in the film you don't really get that kind of sense of background with Chris which isn't really a problem but like I said yeah it's, it's a good film I definitely enjoyed it. Um, it and it was worth watching I just I'm, I just didn't really find it that funny and, it, and it's billed as a comedy which is maybe something to do with me um,
3: and, no I think a lot of people had that reaction I mean
2: I but I expect most people who didn't find it funny probably didn't like it, whereas I didn't find it funny but did like it.
0: Yeah, I think you're in a minority there. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I I do think you're... No, because you're right, a lot of people really didn't like it at all. And one of the thing one of their criticisms being that I thought it was meant to be a comedy. Um, but I, I think me and Owen both found it hilarious, but also deeply disturbing at times as well. Oh, yeah. And I think I said at the time, it reminds me of the League of Gentlemen
2: uh, just yeah, there's, de- there's definitely that slightly
0: bleaker. Yeah, there's definitely but,
2: that element to it. Kind of surreal is not quite the right word, but you know, a bit, a bit dark and a bit weird.
3: But yeah. that's sort of Ben Wheatley, though. I think. I mean, I've watched all of his films, and I think it, uh, he's a director I really like. I've, you know, I'm looking forward to everything that he's going to make in the future. I hope he gets involved more as well in um, back in the horror genre because I think Kill List was was very good. Um, but he's doing he, he's doing two Doctor Who episodes, isn't he? He's doing he's yeah. taking on some Doctor Who work, but I want him to get back to making <laughs> serious films, saying, like, I'm not taking Sightseer seriously, because I, I am. I think it's very good. I want him to get back into making stuff that's proper feature films, if you know what I mean. And I think mm. if he... I don't want him to go back down the TV route. He's done the TV route. I thought his work on Ideal was very good. I like Ideal. I think the series he did... Um, it was, it had that surreal element to it, and it mm. was a bit dark and twisted, but I still find that very funny. Um, but I just want him to come back to making stuff like Kill List and, and realizing his potential, if you like. I don't know. I know maybe that sounds a bit snobby of me, and I'm sorry, but I, that's what I want <laughs> him to do.
0: That's fair enough. If you like, if you like the work someone does, you want them to do more of it. I, I don't, I don't yeah. kind of begrudge you that. But no, I think you're right though, Steve. I, I'm glad you liked Sightseers because I do think it's—I—I I, I loved it as a film. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching it again.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't—I wouldn't go as far as saying I loved it. I definitely liked it. You know, I definitely watch it again down the down the line somewhere, um, and maybe I will find it funnier watching it a second time. Possibly. Uh, have you been camping, Steve? I, have you ever been camping? Of course, my family own a caravan park,
0: so. Yeah, yeah.
2: Okay. Maybe,
0: oh, so maybe you didn't find it funny because it hit a bit too close to home. It's
2: just full of, full of inaccuracies, and i was, you know found <laughs> many kind. You know, I didn't think that you know the people who were meant to check the facts, research things beforehand, did a very good job, no. and maybe oh, that's dear. where it fell down. I don't know. I don't have a clue really. I don't know what's going on. Uh, But uh, anyway, that's all for uh, what we've been watching. Uh, Next is our new release review, uh, which features just one film this week, uh, but two of us have seen it. So our new uh, release uh, review this week is uh, Inside Lewin Davis. Um, Here's a clip.
1: Okay, I can tell this is one of those things where I keep saying no and you think I'm just asking you to beg more. Yeah,
2: that's right.
1: (laughs) Hey, right. well, look, I'm not a trained poodle.
2: I thought singing was a joyous expression of the soul.
1: Yeah. All right. Um, this is... This one's early. Joe should like it.
2: So I'm the only I'm the only one who's not seen this, so this is a period of podcast where listeners can enjoy me being quiet and listening to James and Owen talk us through this one.
0: Okay, so yeah, Inside Lewin Davis, the new Cohen Brothers film, uh premiered in Cannes last year. It seems to have been we've seems to have been waiting mm. for it for a, a very long time. Uh it is essentially the week in a life, as IMDB says, of a, a, a folk singer, a young folk singer as he navigates the Greenwich Village folk scene of 1961, which plays it down a little bit, to be honest. It's, it's an interesting character study of a folk singer on the scratching around the edges of fame um, and how he deals with it as a person uh, and as an artist. Um, Owen, I, I, I'm going to just jump over to you quickly, because I noticed you said on Twitter earlier today that this is your favourite Coen Brothers film yet. So It is,
3: yeah. We, well, there was a little Twitter thing going around, wasn't there, where people mm. were saying their yeah. favourite Coen Brothers film, the one they think is the best, the one they think is the most overrated, and one they think is the most underrated. I have yes. Inside Llewyn Davis now as my favourite. I am wow. sincerely tempted to go and watch it again at the cinema. And, um, wow. I, I never go and see films twice, usually. I think the last mm. film I did was Al- Alan Partridge, so, you know, yeah. going back um, a few months now. So Inside Lewin Davis is tempting me. I find it just utterly engrossing and I can't, I can't really understand the criticism some people have had where they've said they just drifted off during it i was hooked i really wanted to see this guy's story from beginning to end and
0: it, i think I, I think that's that's the issue actually uh oh because just to make it clear i also enjoyed it um it's not my I, it's, I wouldn't go as far as saying it's my favorite coen brothers film you know uh i still think fargo is one of the perfect films Stop. Um, but actually, I did, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Uh, I was a little bit trepidatious going into this one, because uh, I have had bad experiences with the Coens before, mm-hmm. and kind of uh, a week in the life of a folk singer. Well, I'm not a big folk music fan either. I'll be honest. Um, yeah, there's a few people I like that you can kind of see. You know, I, I like the music of Nick Drake now and again and things like that, but. Uh, I'll be honest, I was a little bit... uh, uh, But like you, I I, I really enjoyed this person's story, but what I do think some people... I think some people might have been expecting more in the way of a kind of traditional Hollywood narrative. And this doesn't have that. It's very much about... For me, anyway, it was very much about mood and tone and a character study, rather than being, here's a story of A to B to C Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. D. Um... And I think, you know, I'm not I'm not saying I agree with the criticisms, but what I do see is I can see that this isn't this is certainly not the Coen's most accessible film in terms of traditional plot. Um,
3: Perhaps not. But
0: but I think if you if you like if you like the first half hour, you're just going to love the rest of the film. I think it's one of those where if it if it hooks you in quite early on, you're going to really enjoy it for the the whole film because it. Yeah, and what a great central performance from Oscar! <sighs> isn't Isaac he just as, brilliant in it, though? As Lewis, Davis, uh, because he does carry the he carries the entire film. I, I can't think of a scene without him in.
3: Mm.
0: I think he's in pretty much every scene, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. Um And it's not just the acting job he's got to do, which is a difficult job in itself, because he's playing quite quite an unlikable character in many ways. Um, a lot of I've known people like this, you know, kind of artists who wear their suffering on their sleeve <laughs> um who can't understand why people don't love them um and are constantly just scratching around to try and make it big, looking for that big break. But he's a bit of a dick with it as well. Yes,
3: piping um, at people and things and I think that was one of the things we picked up on on the football three six five yeah. forum, wasn't it? And some people were saying yeah. they didn't find him likable, so they didn't like the film. Which yeah. I've... Is fine if that's how you you know it's a
0: weird i I think likability is a weird because we were talking about wolf of wall street last week completely unlikable character it's about for me it's not about whether they're likable but whether they're interesting plenty of unlikable people are interesting on screen and i think this is the case here i do think that lewin davis is a very interesting character who comes from a very working class background uh you know part of the the film is his struggle between does he give up his dream of fame to go and do what his dad did which was working as a merchant seaman uh you know so it's this he's got an interesting backstory um he's a snipey character but as soon as he picks up a guitar and starts singing you actually see him as a completely different character yeah which again is a is an an interesting study in artists, uh and how they are they have kind of on stage personas, off stage personas, um and also I've got to say, very talented singer as well, uh, Mr Oscar Isaac. Uh he must sing about four or five songs. It's like four or five moments in the film where it's just him and a guitar singing a song. And again, didn't get bored during those moments. I could have easily. Uh but they were really nicely shot and the music was just pitched just right. Um yeah uh, no I I think Oscar Isaac is, is fantastic in this film. He's the heart of this film, uh, and my I think my only criticism in terms of the acting and characters would be there were loads of other characters I wanted to see loads more of, but because of the nature of the film, they kind of drift in and out mm-hmm. of the film, and there's not really a lot of loose ends not really tied up, a lot of questions posed that don't get answered, which is life yeah Um, and I kind of I accept that in this film but again that's another reason why I think I can understand some of the criticisms because it's not easy because there are moments you go well what happened with that well why that you know and yeah you're just looking at a snapshot of a a week in this person's life so you're not (laughs) going to get all these answers and they build up tone and they build up um, they build up this environment which which just lets us see a week of a man's life Uh, and I loved it for that.
3: Yeah. And he, like you said, he's he's a great character to watch anyway. Mm. So, you know, it makes it all watchable. Just um, going back to the point about the performances mm. in it. Um, I know the cat. Everyone loves the cat that's in it. Yeah. Uh, which is fine. Good cat. Good cat. A brilliant. act. Although there were, there were five different cats they used. And yes. two of them were, was it two of them, I think, were apparently they were really difficult to work with. So two cats got the yeah. boot and three were used. So
0: but um yeah the cohen said that, that they hated working with the cats yeah. worse than the vultures in uh i think it was true grit
3: yeah
0: they said that yeah, they hated cats and oscar isaac himself is scared of cats because he um contracted a an infection from a cat scratch when he was younger or something like that so that's huh. the you know these these you know these actors very brave and, yeah, very the and stuff
3: like <laughs> that. He, he picked up a cat at least <laughs> half so. Yeah. Uh, and uh but i was going to mention carrie mulligan what was your opinion of her I, I, i'm a bit
0: biased because i i just really like carrie mulligan full stop okay. um and i like her in films and i liked her in this she was she was a little bit one note but it, i felt it was more the character uh, but uh, no i thought she was decent i thought there were better performances from other people in the film what were your what was your take then
3: yeah i wasn't that impressed if i'm honest mm-hmm. i mean i I don't know what to make of Kerry Mulligan as an actress anyway. I've seen her be mm. brilliant in things. She's been really yeah. just like fantastic in lots of things, actually. Um, but I, whenever I've seen her interviewed mm. or um, or with this, I just – well, you touched on it. You said one note, and I think she doesn't mm. – she's one of these actresses. I'm not sure if she's – oh, this is good. I'm just sending like a complete and utter tit on this podcast today. But mm-hmm. you know what, I don't know how, how much charisma she's got, if, if you know what I mean. Mm.
0: You're not the only person I've heard lay that at her door. Like I say, I'm 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 not entirely convinced. What I would say is, at the moment, she hasn't shown the consistency that some other actresses of her age, you know, looking at the the likes of um, obviously Jennifer Lawrence, Mm. but also Anna Kendrick, um, you know, a number of actresses of that age that are doing some incredible work. And yeah, she she has been yeah on and off in a few films um but i think part of that sometimes has been the films that she's chosen i thought she was really good in shame i, I really yes. liked her yeah. in shame um never
3: let me go as well i thought she was great yeah in so
0: it. i think she's definitely yeah I, I you could i think you could pin a little bit of it on her character in film because we only see a few days of her character's life mm. and she's clearly in a horrible mood for those days yeah. so I, yeah i don't know well i will say though um uh, the man who plays her husband Justin Timberlake is, is great in his little, <laughs> short little moments in this film yeah and I didn't even realize it was him for the first bit he's got this little kind of gnomic beard on um <laughs> but he was great and th- there was a lovely little scene a really nice song I need to get the um soundtrack track this. is
3: fantastic
0: is it oh good uh, the song about um Mr. Kennedy and the astronaut Please, and, Mr. that, that Kennedy, was that yeah. was that was a lovely little scene which had um uh, what i kept noticing is um male actors from the hbo comedy series girls kept turning up in various different roles i did i did notice that it was it was a very hipster greenwich village style <laughs> film uh, in a lot of ways um but other people who great, john goodman is always brilliant in the film mm-hmm. stand by what i say that um he always improves the film whenever he's on screen and he was a great little kind of cameo essentially from him um there was someone else that i wanted to mention, but okay. oh. um, what's his name (laughs) that's that's great isn't it uh bud Bud grossman um
1: f murray abraham
0: f murray abraham again another great so there was a lot of good actors i yeah i can see how some people would complain that they didn't get much closure on a lot of what was going on in the film and we didn't see a lot of actors but then again if this film was another half hour longer to fit in more with those people we'd be saying it was over long whereas i think the length is perfectly pitched yeah
3: uh yeah yeah that's fair enough I mean I could just watch them perform like twice as many songs and extend it with just like that as filler and I would have been yeah. happy but um but uh, yeah I suppose I'm not really a folk fan generally but we I think mm. we should touch on the same track we sort of mm. mentioned it uh you know I, I mean I like the odd folk song like Simon and Garfunkel and the Pogues and stuff but there's there's something about the music in this which just so fits perfectly yeah it just suits the mood every single song there's a there's a scene with him singing to his dad and i thought mm. that was just brilliant that's that whole scene and it, it's just it, it, the, the whole film is like that you've got these very yeah. touching moments in the film these lots of lots of um uh you know very deep aspects to, to the songs and how they fit in with lewin's life at that particular time but it's also full of humour. There's lots of humour mm. in in the film. The, yeah. If you're looking for it, you you can laugh at this film all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, but the, the songs, I think, yeah, definitely get the same track if you can get a hold of it. Although I think all the songs in the film are actually performed live. So the ones you get mm. on the same track sound slightly different to the ones in the film.
0: Okay. how yeah. Oh, interesting.
3: But um, definitely, if you if you're just thinking about it, just get it because mm. okay. every song on it is fantastic. And it's the first film soundtrack I've bought. I, really? Whatever. Yeah. I, I had, really? Yeah. I had a soundtrack to, uh, did you ever see the what, uh, what's it called? The, um, the, the the Orange County. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I had the soundtrack to that, but I didn't buy it. This is the first one I bought. And I'm well, thoroughly I, pleased I, I with it. I buy
0: all the time. I barely buy normal albums anymore. So I, that, I'll take that as a recommendation. Yeah. Man.
3: It's fantastic, but um, yeah, I mean, like I said, the whole film is, is great, I think it's mm. really well written um, <clears throat> and and po- like like we said at the start, it's probably my favourite Coen Brothers film and I'd say, it's, uh, of the films I've seen this year because I think it's been a great year so far for films, I mm. haven't seen anything that I've not liked I think it just just sits behind 12 Years a Slave um, mm. on my list of favourites at the minute just behind okay. but it's just um, yeah, I loved it uh, okay.
0: one last thing then uh because last week we spoke about the oscar nominations and we both uh we we raised the fact that uh inside uh lewin davis hadn't received anything of note mm-hmm. in terms of nominations it, it's got a nomination for best achievement in cinematography and best achievement in sound mixing um which lets, yeah the cinematography oh. one's quite a good one but yeah the sound mixing it sounds like you know it's for the right reasons but um feeling that now we've both seen it feeling pretty hard done by yeah
3: oh yeah absolutely
0: um, nothing for scripts which i think is harsh i think it's really harsh um and nothing for uh, oscar isaac although best actors are really competitive yeah i can understand that a little bit more but not even in the best nine for best film and they can have up to 10 as well so they they, decide, per, yeah. they actively chose not to have this film in their best 10 um uh, yeah I think that's harsh. It
3: is very so harsh.
2: That's our uh, new release uh review for this week. Uh next week what films are there? Uh, um, uh there's at? barely anything.
0: You know, do you know I th- is I I think I Frankenstein might be out next week. <laughs> right. Um uh, uh, yeah, no, I know we we're, we're talking I think we're starting to scrape the barrel a little bit. Uh, most of the big the big ones are out. We next week is um I Frankenstein Lone Survivor and that awkward moment. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Wow. Okay.
0: So possibly one. I do just want to apologize to our listeners as well. We didn't have time uh, this week. We've all been really busy. Didn't have to, and we're recording a day early as well. Didn't have time for August Osage County. Maybe if one of us sees that, we'll review that next week. Um, Didn't have time for grudge match uh, this week. And also didn't have time or inclination for Jack Ryan shadow recruit, which doesn't sound like a terrible film, but doesn't sound like a brilliant film. Sounds like a really average, mediocre film. Um, yeah. So, sorry. We're really sorry we've only seen one film this week. Uh, it looks like we're being punished next week with... Uh, Jesus. Although, I've heard half-decent things about Lone Survivor. We'll see.
2: Here's uh, some recommendations for you then for the next week or so. Uh, starting off with television, ITV2, Sunday, 5 to, uh, five, to 5, Despicable Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First one, yeah.
3: I rewatched Good that choice. at the weekend. Actually, it I, I, it was better than I remembered it. It was a lot. Okay. The first half is very funny.
2: Or at ten o'clock on ITV three is the feature length film version of Steptoe and Son. Wow. So.
0: Wow, I'm all in for that.
2: <laughs> Why wouldn't you be?
0: Yeah.
2: Uh. uh, Owen, what, what's your
3: recommendation then? Um, I'm going to pick uh ben... Buried, which is on ITV4 on Friday at 11pm, which if you are not seen it, it's a um, very low budget which, uh, film about Ryan Reynolds being trapped in a box for the whole right, film. Not,
2: not actually Ryan Reynolds. He's, he's playing someone.
3: Yeah, it's, not, it's not an end. Uh, this is the end situation. He's not playing yeah. Ryan Reynolds trapped it's in not, a box. Yeah,
2: but Ryan Reynolds playing Ryan <laughs> Reynolds buried underground the ground in the box. No. Ryan Reynolds playing someone else
0: on that though i'm sure there's I'm, I'm just looking it up now i'm sure there's a film out that's um well not out yet it's been made though and it's on the festival circuit somewhere where ryan reynolds has uh got a talking cat that is a murderous talking cat or something like that hang on i'm just looking it up it sounds amazing uh, it's called the voices that's it um and it was at Sundance. Here we go. This fits into everything that we're talking about earlier at Sundance. Um, the voices, which is Ryan Reynolds, I believe starring as a kind of version of himself. Um, and he's got a talking Scottish cat, which is trying to get him, uh, to kill his girlfriend played by, uh, Gemma Arterton. And then he has to try and kill Anna Kendrick. Oh, and he's got a dog as well that talks. It sounds amazing. Um, so yeah, I, I really want to make sure that gets out. Anyway, sorry, we're just talking about Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> He's a good-looking guy. Um, anyway, uh, my my one for next week is uh, I'm back on the DVD trail. Um, it was one of my biggest surprises of last year, and it's available to buy on DVD and Blu-ray on Monday. And it's Richard Curtis's About Time, which was a surprisingly sweet film about uh, a family where all the males can time travel, and it goes kind of talks about going back and if you could change bits of your life would you and what are the consequences and things like uh bill is absolutely lovely in it and uh, honestly if you if you hated uh notting hill and love actually then obviously don't bother with this but if you if you quite liked them um then this is this is a good film i enjoyed it very funny
2: excellent uh so yes we recommend you watch those uh that's all for this week's podcast. Uh, probably less than an hour this this week as well.
0: Yeah, I know. It's, it's, like I say, my throat's about to die, so I've not spoken much, and uh, you two have been able to get a word in edgeways. It's made it a bit shorter. I don't
2: think the listeners should get used to it, though.
0: No, no, no. <laughs> I'll be back next week. I'll, I'll be dosed up on drugs to come back. and I, I will lay down a, a Lars von Trier four-hour bad boy on you next week Four-hour we,
3: review of i frankenstein yeah, yeah oh, i imagine that. that's, that's ever-
0: almost <laughs> performance art isn't it we've, that's,
2: we've got <laughs> we've got reviews of cutthroat island and possibly knowing next week as well, so.
0: as well yeah it's it. my god yeah next week could be could be a world of shit for a lot of people <laughs> let's do uh, it
2: uh, the website is com, and we're on twitter and Facebook as well so read all that in the meantime and thanks for listening.
0: The Failed Critics are James Diamond, Steve Norman and Owen Hughes with original music provided by Kevin mcleod of incompetech.com You can find us at failedcritics.com, at Facebook at facebook.com/failedcritics and on Twitter at, at @failedcritics.